I'm going to talk about money, just so that you know, right from the front. You're under no illusion. Um, But I'm going to base it around Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. And I guess my desire in this sermon is that you're blessed. That's the angle that I'm going to come from. And I, I believe as well, more importantly, that's the Lord's desire for you too in this area to be blessed. So let's have a look at what the King Solomon says regarding this. He says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now I wonder if we could just say that together. After three, one, two, three. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, thank you. As you heard from Richard a few moments ago, he told, reminded us that our vision statement is ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. It seems like quite a big, bold statement when you think about it. But God loves to use ordinary people. We see it time and time again in the Bible. So, for example, you have Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. And Sarah can't have children, but the Lord tells her that she's going to have a son. And she laughs in disbelief at the prospect. But sure enough, she has a son and calls him laughter. We see it as well with a, a young lad called Joseph who gets sold into slavery and gets uh, imprisoned unjustly, just an ordinary young guy. We also see it when Jesus was around, a few fishermen washing their nets by a lake. We see it again when a loose woman, racked by a sense of guilt and shame and failure, comes and weeps at Jesus' feet. Ordinary people, changed by Jesus. But to change the world, it seems a big ask, doesn't it, when you think about it? Well, it is a big ask, but we have to be aware of who is by our side, the Lord himself. It's his power, his ability in us. And who knows what echoes there may be through eternity, through the good that the Lord calls each of us to do. For the Lord does call us. In the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul writes, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. And some of that is to do with money. I want to say three things from this passage this morning. They are as follows. One, there's a challenge. Two, there's a promise. Three, there's an example. So there's a challenge in what I'm going to say. There's a promise as well. And there's an example. So let's look at the first one. There's a challenge. At this time last year, I had some time off work. I had a sabbatical. And for a lot of the time, I was out of the country. And so I didn't really hear much of what was going on back here at King's until I got back. And when I got back, one of the things that I heard about that had happened was there was what was called the giving challenge. I was intrigued. What was that about? Well, it was quite simple, and it's illustrated by this diagram. And on this diagram, if you can read it, it says, Not yet, 
occasional, regular, proportional on tithing, beyond tithing. So it was about a continuum of giving and perhaps moving from one to the next, moving from the left to the right on that continuum. And I, as I looked at that, I found there was a challenge. There's a challenge here for me. Where am I? It made me think. Where am I on this arrow? Can I move on? Can I increase what I give? But there's a challenge when it comes to giving, isn't there? Why is it? Why is it that when we hear about money, some of us may just clam up straight away? There's a big challenge. Well, one of the reasons I think is this. There's a feeling that money gives us a sense of security and happiness. The more money I have, the more secure I will feel. The more money I have, the happier I will be. And somehow that kind of can, can invade and pervade our thinking. I read this week, 70% of UK adults play the national lottery regularly. That's about 32 million people play the lottery regularly. There may even be some of you sitting here today. There's a subtle danger here in our thinking if we think that money gives us security and happiness. A few verses after the ones I've read, King Solomon writes, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And actually, our security is not in our money, and I'm not dismissing the importance of it, but it's not in our money, it's in the Lord. You know, before the children of Israel came into the promised land, they had been delivered from the slavery of Egypt, and they were going to be brought into a land flowing with milk and honey where they were going to be blessed as they kept the covenant. And just before they went into the promised land, God issues a warning to them through Moses that when they get into the land, the Lord says to them, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I've been in many different countries where I've seen poor people working extremely hard. As hard as anybody I've seen working in this country, for sure. If not harder. Longer hours, harder labor. And yet, you know, it's subsistence living. They simply haven't had the opportunities that you and I have had. Our security is not in our money. But in the Lord. And having happiness is deeper than having money. Again, I'm not dismissing having money. But I'm saying that our security and our happiness are not based on those things. Let me give you an example of happiness here. Which has nothing to do with money. In our family, two new arrivals are on their way. Our daughter-in-law and our daughter are both pregnant. Babies due in the autumn. And so they've both been for scans recently. And I've seen the pictures. And I've heard the what was said as the pictures were watched and all that kind of thing. Everything is fine, I was told. When I heard that, I was very happy. If you'd said to me, Ron, you can have that piece of news or 10,000 in the bank, what would you choose? For me, I wouldn't even have to choose. I'd rather know that those new lives are safe as they're growing in the womb than have 10,000 in the bank. My happiness is not based on money. For me, though, giving has always been a challenge. Let me confess that to you right now. 
It's always been a challenge at different stages of my life. Sometimes money has been very tight. What do you do in that situation? So you've got a growing family, for example, as we've had. You might have a few teenagers at home. If you've got teenagers at home, you know they can be very expensive. So, for example, school uniforms, bus passes, mum and dad's taxi service, school trips. There's a skiing trip that the school's organizing. Can I go on that? Or they're off uh, to Florence to look at the art there. Can I go on that? Or maybe it's an escalating food bill. They can eat their way through the house pretty quickly. Or it's simply, I need a new pair of trainers. Okay, that's fine. Trainers, we'll go to Primark. I've seen some there for 12 pounds. Actually, Dad, I've seen some others that I've already, I, I really like. Yeah, okay, but they're 55. Well, Dad, to be fair, I did see the real ones I really wanted. They were 90, but it's, I'll settle for these instead. You know, at different stages of our life, you know, different financial pressures are upon us. Perhaps you've got little children, and I learned this week about childcare costs. 60 pounds a day. It's trying to work out 60 pounds a day. It's like five, five times that for a week. It's 300, then four weeks. That's 1,200 pounds a month. 1,200 pounds a month. So at different stages of life, there are different financial pressures upon us. Therefore, we need faith to action this. We trust in the Lord. Our security is in him. What blessings may be ours as well as we give generously, which we'll come on to in a moment. It's interesting that the only place in the Bible, as far as I'm aware, where God tells us to test him is in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, where the Lord says, I am the Lord, all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so there will be food in my house, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Why does the Lord give us that uh, solemn promise? Why does He say, I challenge you? Because He knows that money is something which is very close to our heart. It's very difficult for us at times to part with it. But God is asking us to be people who are inspired by generosity. What does it mean for you to be generous in practice? For me, it meant looking at that giving challenge. Can I move along there? That was one of the things that challenged me. Am I generous enough? There's always room for improvement. When was the last time that you felt that you'd been generous? Can you just think about that for a moment? When was the last time you felt you'd been generous in some shape or form? You know, over and above. That's what generous is, isn't it? The King Solomon writes this, Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. To hold, to withhold something unduly, what does that mean? It means this, that you've got the power to do some good, and you fail to do it. You withhold it unduly. It's not that you are not in a position to be able to do it. You are in a position to be able to do it, but you don't. I guess we've all done that from time to time. To withhold unduly, he says, it comes to poverty. What does it mean to come to poverty? Does he simply mean that you then look at your bank statement and all of a sudden you've got nothing? No, I don't think it means that. You come to poverty, certainly you come to poverty of spirit. You come to poverty of heart. You come to poverty of mind. 
You become shrunken in your heart. So, for example, it's the difference between a, a rich, juicy, ripe plum and a shrunken prune. You know, it's to do with the heart. Another withholds unduly, but it comes to poverty. So, for example, in Solomon's day, what they would have understood by that in a farming society was the fact that the farmer had grain that he could sell. But instead of selling it at a fair price at that time, he withholds it until the price goes up and then sells it. A bit like they do in the oil industry these days. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So there's a challenge here for us. I think the Lord realizes that money is close to our heart and we don't part with it easily. And we feel that somehow it gives us security and that if we have more, whatever that might mean, we're going to be happier. But our security and our happiness are not to do with our money. They're to do with profounder things. So there's a challenge. But there's also a promise Here, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So there's three promises in those verses. One gives freely, yet gains even more. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So there's three promises. However, it's counterintuitive this, isn't it? So for example, what do I mean by that? If I've got five pounds in my wallet... And I take the five pounds out and I give it to you. I've got five pounds less. You've got five pounds more. But I've got five pounds less. One person gives freely yet gains even more. It's counterintuitive. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's counterintuitive. We think if I give, I'm going to have less. And in one sense it's true. But the Lord promises to give us more in return. Now... I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel here that you sometimes see on television. where It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. Because true prosperity is not actually to do with money. It is partly here something to do with money, but it's not totally to do with money. It's to do with the deeper things of the human heart and human need. So, for example, we all have a longing for connection. We all have a longing to be connected with God. You see that in every human society, certainly everyone that I've come across. There's a longing for something deeper. There's a longing for a deeper reality than simply what we can see, feel, smell, and touch. In every society, you see that. In human, it's not surprising because we're made in the image of God. And therefore there's a longing within the human heart, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't acknowledge it, that we want to be connected somehow with something outside ourselves, something deeper, i.e. God. When we're connected with him, why? Because only as we're connected with God can we have that sense of fulfillment, that sense of security and that sense of ultimate happiness as we're connected with him. So true prosperity means I am connected and enriched by him, by his presence, by who he is. Not only that, we desire to be connected with others. This comes out of the nature of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That holy community of the Trinity, where there is a a profound, mysterious relationship of connectedness. And we too as human beings, we desire to be connected wholesomely and healthily with others in a good relationship with them. And we don't like it when that relationship gets disrupted. 
When something happens to, to break it, it's painful, it's hurtful. True prosperity really is to do with our connectedness with God and our connectedness with other people. The need to be connected with others. Not only that, but the ability to bless others. Instead of having a, a me-centered life, where it's my concerns, my desires, my wishes, what I think. And we all suffer from that from time to time. How am I going to fit in here? No, God comes and he seeks to release us from that in order for us to be a blessing to others. Because as we're a blessing to others and we enrich others and we too are blessed. And we get a great sense of fulfillment from doing that. That's true prosperity. You know, the need to be loved. We want to be loved. We want to know that there's someone somewhere who loves us for who we are. Well, God loves us for who we are. He loves us unconditionally. We want that kind of security. And that is true prosperity. When we have those things, then we are rich people. Many of you know I was in Nepal last year when the earthquake struck. It was a very frightening experience. I've mentioned this before. Uh, when something that you felt was very secure suddenly becomes unsecure, insecure. So terra firma, solid ground, suddenly ceases to be solid. And everything is moving. And you see fear on people's faces. And you see the damage that's done. And you see a, a, a dead person lying in the road. And it's a frightening thing. That security seems to go. And so I had to find my sense of security at that time at a deeper level. I still had to find it in the Lord, but I had to find it in a, at a level that I'd never had before. Our security is not in our wealth. And if you feel that your security is in your wealth, then you're wrong. Your security is actually in Christ. He's the one who will uphold you in any situation, in any circumstances that you face. Christ will be your rock. Amen? Amen. It's true. Our security is not in our money. And if we have any money, then it's the Lord who's given us the ability to earn that money. Where did your intelligence come from? Where did the, your skill come from? It came from the Lord who gave to you graciously. Amen? Our security is not in our wealth, but in the Lord who provides all we need according to his riches and glory. The children of Israel were 40 years in the wilderness. I don't know, a million plus people, and they lacked for nothing. Why? Because God was their security, and God provided for all their needs. Not even their shoes wore out for 40 years in the desert. I've been a Christian for 43 years, longer than the children of Israel were in the desert. And as I look back on my Christian life, I have seen that God has provided for my needs according to his riches and glory and never have I gone without. Amen? Amen? And I'm sure that's true of you too. As you look back on your Christian life you will see that the Lord has been with you in it and the Lord will provide for you as he's provided for me and many of us here today. I believe this as well that as the Lord sees that he can trust us with money. It's not a problem for him to give us more. Although Solomon does say give me neither poverty nor riches. I don't want to be so poor that I have to steal. I don't want to be so rich that I forget you. But give me enough for my needs. Do you want to be refreshed? I'll ask you that question. Again, in Solomon's day, when he told this uh, proverb about those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, people would have immediately thought about water in their dry and dusty land and how water was at a premium there. 
And to give someone a drink of water, and Jesus talks about this later, if you give even the least of these a cup of water, if you refresh some one of my people, I notice it, I take note of it. And in those days, Solomon, talking about being refreshed, a glass of water or a cup of water, not only refreshing, but life-giving, life-sustaining. Do you want to be refreshed? Then the key is this, refresh others. Look out. Look to the needs of others. Look to the encouragements that they need. Look for opportunities to be a blessing. Then you'll be refreshed as you refresh others. And we have much opportunity to refresh others through the work that we do at King's. And I know that there's generous giving going on here. We're sitting in the place where generous giving has happened. This is all as a result of generous giving. And we, as a community of God's people here at King's Church, High Wickham, we want to be a blessing to others. We want to refresh others through our Wickham Homeless Connection, through our CAP Center, our Debt Center. We want to refresh the, the parents who come with their little children on a Tuesday and a Friday. We want to refresh people in Nepal and Pakistan and Southern Sudan. We want to refresh people. We want to bless them. And God has given us opportunity through the work that we're doing here. And the, whatever you give, the Lord is no man's debtor. There's a challenge. You know, money is something that's very close to our heart. We don't part with it easily, most of us. It's a challenge. But there's a promise goes with it. You refresh us, I'll refresh you, the Lord says. A generous person, you will prosper. And you'll prosper in ways that you haven't even thought of. And there's an example here. You know, I've been on the receiving end of others' generosity, I have to say, many times. Money, clothes, holidays, cars, meals, time spent, words of encouragement, cards, letters. Some of you sitting here today, you've been generous to us as a family. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. You know, when, you're, when you receive someone's generosity, it's uplifting. It's energizing. You feel loved. You feel valued. You feel cared for. How come those people are so generous to us? It's the love of God. That's the motivation. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. And our ultimate example, of course, is Christ himself. And his nature is one of giving. And his spirit leads us to giving. That's how I know there's generous giving going on. There's a huge amount of generous giving going on here. And if you are one of those people who are into generous giving, I would say to you, don't turn off the tap. Don't take your foot off the accelerator. Continue to be generous in your giving. And I know without anybody telling me, without seeing any evidence, I know that there's generous giving going on. Why do I know? How come I know? I know because the Spirit of Christ is at work in our hearts. And the spirit of Jesus is one of absolute generosity. The spirit of Jesus is one of absolute self-giving. He comes from the glory of heaven itself. And he gives himself totally, wholeheartedly, and fulfilly. Full, and f- yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Holy. Yes. He comes and he gives himself. And his spirit is within our hearts. We sing this song, or we used to. Shine, Jesus, Shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Who sung that song? Just raise your hand. Come on. Okay, most of you have sung that song. Shine, Jesus, shine. Well, one of the verses goes like this. Ever changing from glory to glory. 
Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. Now, I've sung that many times, and I've sung it with wild enthusiasm. I've sung it with all my heart, and I've meant every word of it. Have you? Ever changing from glory to glory. Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. But I'll tell you what, I have never, ever thought of money when I've sung that song. Has anybody here thought of money when they've sung that song? I've never thought of money when I've sung that song. And yet, in some senses, it is to do with money. Ever changing from glory to glory. Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. What's the story to tell? The story is to tell of Jesus coming and giving. He comes and he gives. And he, not only does he give, he gives generously. He leaves nothing back. He gives it all. He's the ultimate generous giver. And as we respond to what the Spirit is doing in our heart in terms of generosity, we mirror something of who he is. And we are changed from one degree of glory to another. Isn't that amazing to think that just through acts of generosity and having a generous spirit and a generous heart, we can be transformed to become like Christ. Isn't that amazing to think that this thing here and the stuff that's in here is related to being changed from glory to glory? Wow. Well, who doesn't want to be changed from glory to glory? I would love to be changed from glory to glory. I'd love for people to say, you mirror Christ's story. Well, maybe it's got something to do with this and what I do with it. If you refresh others, you'll be refreshed. God is no man's debtor. He will give to you. A generous person will prosper. One gives freely, yet gains even more. I know that giving is more than money. It's deeper than that. It's to do with our heart being changed to become like his. But often what we do with our money is an indication of where our heart is. Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a challenge. The challenge is to do with something which is close to our heart that sometimes we don't like parting with. We feel that our security is tied up with it. We feel that our happiness is tied up with it. And so we want to have more. And if we feel we're going to have more money, then we're going to be secure. We're going to be happier. That's a deception of the world, actually. And it's something that I believe the Spirit wants to just... Turn our view from that to see that actually our security is not to do with those things, but actually is to do with him and his love for us. There's a promise. The Lord knows that these things are challenges for us, so he promises us. If you're someone who gives, I will bless you. I'm watching. I'm waiting. I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour down upon you an overflowing blessing that you will not be able to contain. There's a promise. And there's an example. Jesus came and he gave everything. He held nothing back. His generosity is unparalleled. And his spirit is within you if you're a follower of Jesus. To cause you to become willing and able to obey his own purposes. Amen. So this week. I know it's just not to do with a one-off thing. But I want to just say this week. Whatever your circumstances may be, you may be in a tight corner, I don't know. Or you may feel you have an abundance, I don't know. But I would just encourage every single person here to just consider this week, can I be generous? And if so, in what way can I be generous and to whom? To look out for opportunities to do that. Because as you do, you mirror Christ's story. 
and you reveal something of who he is to the world around you and you refresh others. And as you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Father, you know that um, we like to cling on to our money at times. We don't want to give it away. Certainly not lightly. And yet you came and you give everything. You gave everything. You held nothing back. The ultimate giver you are. The most generous and kindest person in the universe you are. Thank you that your spirit is at work within us. To make us willing and able to obey your own purpose. So Father, even this week, I pray for each one of us that we will look for opportunities to refresh others. To be generous. And not to hold back on Julie. Thank you for your promises that you will bless us as we do. We commit our thinking and the words we've heard and the words I've spoken to you. And I pray, Lord, that they will bear the fruit that you desire. And I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.